Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is... Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's February the 2nd, 2020. I don't even know who is playing. I think it is the 49ers and the Chiefs, I think. I don't know. We cut the cable a few years back, so I don't even have a way to watch the game if I would want to. I just don't, uh, I don't care. I would probably watch the game if I had TV just to kind of maybe see some of the commercials and and uh, see sort of what's going on. You know, I, I, I still like watching football occasionally, but I was never a great big sports fan. Anyway, nobody really cares too much about that, I, I guess, probably on a firearms podcast. So let's go ahead and get our contact started. And as you can tell, I am in the mobile studio once again. If you would like to contact me and yell at me for not loving football, feel free to do so. There is the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. If you want to use the email address, that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. And there you can either send an email, and I'll read it out for you on the air, or you can record your own audio, which several of you have done in the past. And you can send that to me in the form of an MP3 file, or a WAV file, whichever. And then I can get that on the air and play it for you. If you want to visit the website, the address for that is firearmscafe.com. And over there, you will find buttons for YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I think that's about all the social media stuff that I have. If you like the show and you want to support it financially or make a one-time donation or anything like that, there is a PayPal button at the, toward the bottom of the page when you first uh, when you first go to visit and if you ever saw clear to do that i would be eternally grateful speaking of maybe another way that you can contact me although it's not as reliable you could if you didn't want to do an email or something like that you could also go to the listener page on facebook which you can get to by going to which is just firearms cafe Uh, But you can get a direct kind of link to that by going to the website. You can leave me a message on the listener page. I think it does pretty well as far as some of those things popping up. Um, Although, if you go and send me a direct message, I think they're getting better with that. It used to be that it would... uh, Sometimes you would see it, sometimes you wouldn't. I've got a couple of friends, and that's how they, since they know that I 
I see the messenger stuff from Facebook. That's how they kind of contact me, and it works pretty good, you know. And I, I see them on a in person on a regular basis, and they're like, "Oh, you know, did you get my thing? I, you know, you never replied." Type thing. I don't really get that, so I think I see all the stuff. So if you wanted to do that, you could send me. I, I, I don't know if the listener page has a message thing or not. But if you're if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, which doesn't you know doesn't mean anything, but I think that's how you can send the message. Anyway, they you know Facebook always messes stuff up. But all that rambling nonsense, just to say that's another alternative way you could do it. You could also uh, shoot a tweet at me or something like that. Or if you wanted to comment on one of the things on Instagram, generally, it's funny. I used to be on Twitter a lot more. But I've, I, I'm hardly on there at all. I'm mostly the thing that I kind of check is mostly uh, probably Facebook. Although if Twitter got more popular, meaning amongst us as a group or something like that, then uh, that might work out. You know, you could, like I said, you could always tweet me, and if I see it, uh, I will. Uh, maybe I'll make a better effort to check it every couple of days or so. But Twitter, Twitter is funny. It's so so filled with hate and vitriol and venom Uh, but anyway on our last show we talked about let's go ahead and jump in with the show on our last show we talked about or I teased I guess what I wanted to talk at the end of the show was maybe talking a little bit about some politics and what what does that mean for us in gun world, and of course, if 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 we're talking about politics and gun world, we need to look at and well, and what we'll do is we'll kind of we'll take a step back from the party, the different parties. As you guys know, I'm I'm neither Republican nor Democrat. I don't have much use for them. I, I probably lean more towards libertarian stuff. But I don't necessarily, I'm not a big fan of the party. I, I, I like the non-aggression principle and some of the other stuff that the Libertarian Party espouses. Or, the, or the, I guess I should say the Libertarian philosophy. Anyway, for basically the purposes of our discussion, we have to kind of keep it to the people that are in power, which are really Republicans or Democrats. And you can say, oh, a guy like Bernie is an independent, but he's, he's basically a Democrat. He, he coxes with them and everything like that. Uh, so... And as I said before, I have no love for either party. So let's, what we have to do is if we're going to be sort of, oh, what do we want to say? Non-emotional or maybe be a little detached and only use just sort of logic-based and reason-based arguments and we don't let any kind of emotion or sentimentality come in and say stuff like, well, you know, those Democrats, they do that, or those Republicans, they did this. And and therefore, you know, we've got to, you know, we'll we'll get into that stuff here in a little bit, but let's, let's talk about the Republicans first and then we'll get into the Democrats. And... It's 2020. We've got an election that is fast approaching. 
it will actually be here before we know it. And we are going to be deluged by ads and promises, false promises, I guess I should say, from now until then. And then whoever wins the election, somebody's not going to be happy. So then we're going to hear conspiracy theories and complaining and whining and tears and this, that, and the other. So again, let's look kind of at the Republican Party. So the Republican Party is supposed to be the party that is going to fight for our gun rights. They are going to lead the charge. They're going to be the tip of the spear, right? And if we're being fair, in some places and on the state level, in some states, you can say, yeah, that's true. A lot of those people, uh, both men and women, are, are avid Second Amendment supporters type thing. Uh, but even among most of those, most of those are still in favor of putting restrictions on the Second Amendment and putting restrictions. And when I say that, what I should be saying is they're in favor of putting restrictions on us, on us, we meaning we the people. And it doesn't matter what your philosophical or political philosophical bent is, is those, those Republicans are fine with putting restrictions on us and fine with having restrictions placed on us, meaning the people in general, so the citizens, citizenry of the United States. But let's look at what happened if we turn the dial back and we go back to 2016 and 2017, what did the Republicans do for us at the federal level where they could have made some, some meaningful differences? They could have made some meaningful, legitimate changes to some of those restrictions that I just talked about. And they could have done that in a way that increased everybody's liberty in the country. But they chose not to do that. And I say and use the word chose deliberately. When we had the House, when we had the Senate, meaning that the Republicans, and I'll say we, even though I said I'm not a Republican, I'll say we from the standpoint of uh, the supposed pro-gun people. So the representatives that are supposed to be this pro-gun tip of the spear people. When we had the House, the Senate, and, and the White House, what did we get in those two years? Pretty much nothing. We didn't really get any meaningful lessening of restrictions. In fact, we got a, bu a bump stock ban and again, if you, if you say, oh, those bump stocks, they are, they're just toys and they were nonsense and they were going to be going out, you know, probably people weren't going to really buy those type things anymore and blah, blah, blah. That's not the point. What we need to do is say, oh, okay, well, was that a restriction or was that a liberty, a liberty, uh, a liberty gained or was it a restriction gained? was an infringement upon us. And the reality is it was an infring and it was def a definite infringement. And it's opened the door to other things as well. 
We also had Trump talking about and, you know, do get the guns first, due process second. And some people will say, oh, Tony, don't you know he was doing that? That's 3D chess, bro. You got to know what he's doing, man. You got to look. He's the great negotiator. Look, I... It's, it's the same thing. When people were saying what an idiot George Bush Jr. was, whatever his name is, I don't think he was as dumb as people said he was. And when they were saying what a mega genius Barack Obama was, I don't think he was probably as smart as people say he was. Is he, is he smarter than me? Probably. Is he smarter than somebody like uh, uh, Stephen Hawking or... You know, somebody like that, is is he as legit as a Thomas Sowell as far as knowledge and, and intelligence and being able to argue? No way he's not. Absolutely not. And if you don't know who Thomas Sowell is, do yourself a favor, Google him, and start reading some of the stuff that he's written. You won't be disappointed. So anyway, I do not think... Trump is as smart as some people say that he is and I do not think that he is as stupid as people say that he is but I also don't think I don't think he's really this master negotiator when when you look at how he speaks, when you look at how he writes, when you look at the things that he says and the things that he does, it's just, uh, I, I do not buy in to this idea that he has these hundred year plans and the, that he's this masterful negotiator and he's this, that, and the other thing. And I, I really do think that he is a person who is ruled by ego that he is a person who if he thinks you're attacking him all he knows what all he knows how to what to do in that situation is to attack back he doesn't really know how to it doesn't seem at least that he knows how to say oh okay well I'm going to change my tactics a little let this guy attack me I'll let him do this and I'll let them play in my hands and I'll come back and get him later, or this, that, and the other thing. I, I think if, if we remember back when Trump did make that statement, and I watched him make the statement, I watched the, the press conference type thing that they were doing, when he was saying we need to get the guns first and then due process, and this is in regards to red flag laws, I think he really meant it. And I think what happened is, is later behind closed doors somebody got a hold of him and said hey man you you know that's going to be no bueno for you if you want to get reelected i guess my whole point of this stuff is saying that don't believe the hype and don't believe what you're hearing about how the the republicans are are our great allies in in the government and we'll 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 talk about, uh, so we've kind of talked about the executive and we've talked about the legislative. And we'll talk a little bit about the judicial branch here in a second. Uh, but there's also a kind of a fourth branch that m- many people don't mention. 
some do, some don't, though. But when, when we talk about you know the, the sort of the wings of government, and that is that there is the bureaucratic branch as well. So you have all these alphabet agencies that have these people that have been in there for 30 years uh, that are deeply entrenched and that have deep ties and deep, deep obligations to the governmental, uh, you know, the congressman. And, and the, uh, so that includes, you know, both the House and the Senate and all this other stuff. So anyway, and it does play a part. And we've seen that stuff go against us in the past. Now, let's, let's kind of jump over and let's talk a little bit about the Democrats. And what I will say for the Democrats is they sort of stick to their guns. No pun intended. They stay kind of focused and on point. And when they get, they're like a dog with a bone. And when they get that bone in their mouth, they don't want to let go of it. And it seems that, and we'll kind of go back here a little bit too, it seems that the Republicans, and we'll jump back over to the Democrats here in a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about a difference. So it seems like what I've seen is that the Republicans only ever in the federal level, only really seem to offer up kind of uh, what we would call legit or meaningful legislation when they think that maybe it won't go through or when they think that it is a useful tool to garner votes. And a good example of some of this stuff is some of the things that we see when they float some of these ideas up and they float some of this legislation up is generally when they're not in control of the House or it's generally when, oh, it's not going to pass or we've got to have, it's a thing where it's got to be bipartisan for it to, to make any headway. And it just it just doesn't seem to happen there. And I guess... The reality of it is, is that is part of the re-election strategy and the, and the, the part of the playbook for both, for both sides. And this, again, is what you get when you have a two-party system. Because, well, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and we'll talk about sort of the, the overall dangers of the two-party system and why we have what we have now here in a little bit. So let's jump over back to the to the uh, Democrats. So the Democrats, like I said, once they get that bone in their teeth, boy, they don't let go. Uh, unless they see or think that it's, it's going to be advantageous. Uh, sometimes they do back up a little bit. And if we look at what happened in Virginia. So Virginia is a very good example of what happens when not just the Democrats, but when the uh, when anybody gets a monopoly on power. So when the Democrats got that, what we see is they immediately start pushing for gun control. And it used to be a few years ago, and even when, uh, as little as probably four years ago, when Obama was in power, I don't think he would have probably allowed that to happen. He wouldn't have allowed the pushback because I think, or the, or, or the pushing so hard for all that stuff like Northam is doing in Virginia. Because what it does is it it sets up a, a stage for a lot of blowback. And it makes people, 
a lot of times we talk about sort of that independent voter that both sides like to go after. And if you have an independent voter who is, you know, maybe pro-gun and that guy sees something like that and that guy doesn't see any denouncement from any of the the leaders in the Democrat Party of saying, oh, look, you know, we need to sort of step back a little. This is getting a little bit too much rhetoric and we don't want to infringe on people's constitutional rights. But you don't hear that. Uh, you hear, you have guys like uh, uh, Robert uh, O'Rourke who was saying, you know, hell yeah, we're going to take your AR-15s. We're going to take your AK-47s. Which... It still is, I think, a little bit of political suicide for them to do that as far as going after that independent person, the independent voter. If you have uh, someone who is, let's say they, um, oh... Well, I, I guess I, I was also going to make the point, too, of when we look at, the, uh, at Trump's election, what we saw is you, in order for him to get elected, you had to have people that were registered Democrats vote for him or else it wouldn't happen. He wouldn't have got some of the states that he got. And I think people were so tired of how, at the time, how far the left was going. I don't know now what you're seeing. They are like super left-leaning. So I don't know what's going to happen this next election. But anyway, I'm starting to kind of get off into the weeds here a little bit. Let's kind of stick back and, and turn back the dial to where we're talking about just the party. So, and it's how, is, how it affects us in, in gun world. And so in general, what we would say is that, well, the... Uh, if you're a Democrat, it's about 99.9% chance that you're going to be anti-gun. And there used to be a thing a few years ago where we had the term blue dog Democrat. And what we've learned over the last probably, oh, I'd say maybe eight years or so, is that there really aren't any blue dog Democrats. And some people will say, well, wait a minute. I saw that, uh, you know, uh, person A in Virginia, who was a Democrat, said, oh, I'm not going to vote for such and such. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm against these things. I'm against these restrictions. And I think what we're seeing there isn't so much that that guy is really against those. And maybe on, on some level, maybe he is. I don't think so. I think what it is, and you've, you've seen this before, if you go back and you look at voting records and you look at when it seems like, oh, well, this guy originally was for it, now he's against it, or, you know, what's, what's going on here? A lot of times what will happen is once the Democrats know, and you could say this, it, it, it's the same thing too with uh, Republicans on certain issues, as you say, oh, well, once they know we've got it, it's going to pass, and we've got, um, you know, we're ahead by 10 votes, so there's no way, and all we need is one vote. And, and we've got 10. So what we're going to do is, 
is we're going to let some of our guys that are maybe in a, in a uh, more of a rural district or maybe they're, as opposed to, let's say, if it's a Republican thing, maybe they're in more of a liberal district. Uh, and so for the Democrat, maybe they're a little bit more of a kind of conservative district or their district is going conservative. And they're saying, okay, we're going to let you change your vote to a no or to a yes on this thing so that you can maintain when it comes time to election, you can say, oh, well, on these issues, if you look at what I did, I voted this way. And so that can help them maintain their seat. But it 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 effectively doesn't mean anything because, again, they had the votes already to get what they, they wanted. And the guy that is being allowed to change his vote is saying, okay, well, if you let me do this, you know, next time when something else comes up, you know, you've got me for sure. I'll 100% vote this way. And again, it's it's both Republican and it's both Democrat that do it. And kind of getting back to the blue dog Democrat type thing, like I said, it used to be if you were really openly advocating things like you got to turn your stuff in, that could that that could spell political trouble for you. Uh, so before we were said we we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the dangers of the two party system, and you would say, well, why would the Republicans just not always push 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 for uh, pro gun stuff? And again, it's because they don't have to, because no matter how weak they are, and again, we're going to focus mainly on firearm stuff. How weak they are with guns, on guns, they're, they're never going to be weaker than the average Democrat. So, in essence, what they're saying is, well, you know, go ahead and don't vote for me if you, if, at least I won't, if you don't vote for me, you're going to get somebody there who's going who's gonna to actively go after your rights. And if you keep me in there, though, at least I won't strike a blow against you. I, I, I may not do anything for you, but I won't attack you. So you don't really have much of a choice. And so, all again, all that guy cares about on the Republican side is maybe those swing voters. Or maybe he cares about trying to get some of the people that went over to the Libertarian Party and maybe he wants to be able to get those guys back. And again, that's why then they'll, they'll float up some of this phony baloney legislation that they know doesn't have any chance of, of passing or getting through. And that's sort of the state of, of what we have. So, and, and for the people too that say, ah... I'm not going to vote. Voting's for suckers. You're a fool if you vote. I think it was plenty in like 432 BC said, you may choose to ignore politics, but politics will not choose to ignore you. And so we look at, and you could use Virginia as an example of that, of, and, not, and not necessarily saying, oh, those people you know, chose to ignore politics and this is what happened to them, but you see the result of what happens of when the, when the Democrats get into total power and what they think that they can do, 
And when they think that they have impunity, especially if they think that they have impunity for the next two to four years, maybe maybe two or three of those people say, well, hell, I'll fall on the sword. I don't care if I lose the district next time, because guess what? Governor Northrum's brother, who is the head of this other alphabet agency, I'll do this. I'll help stuff get pushed through. And if I lose the election, I've got a job going over working at this other agency. You know, I'm going to be in charge of making sure the paper clips line up and I'm going to make $200,000 a year doing that. And again, this stuff isn't just to the Democrats. It's, it's to both. It's to both, part, both parties are, are doing this type of thing. But, well, I, I probably have jibber-jabbered about this kind of stuff long enough. We'll kind of do, I guess, maybe the final point, but of sort of the thing of getting back to the person who says, well, I'm not going to vote. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to vote in the in the federal elections. Uh, we see what happens when in, in Virginia that they they really went in there and struck a blow against freedom and against liberty and against the Constitution, the stuff that's supposed to govern our republic and the stuff that is in there is supposed to say, well, you can't do A, B, and C that you're trying to do. So I do think it is important maybe this time to go ahead and cast your vote. Uh, and I think it's it's one of those things of, especially on the state levels, if you can, you know, if you can uh, get people in there who aren't at the very, at the minimum, maybe the best you can do is hope that they don't uh, strike a blow against you, that type of thing. So, all right, guys, I tell you what, I am um, fast approaching my destination. When I get back, I will, uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about kind of the upcoming election, what I think is going to happen, uh, that type of stuff. All right, I will talk to you guys here in just a moment. guess what amigos I am back so luckily it hasn't been five days it's only been a couple of hours you know what's interesting uh, we, we were talking about that uh, what's going to happen with this upcoming election in 2020 the presidential election what's going to happen as well with some of the house seats that are up for grabs and some of the senate seats that may be up for grabs in Arizona we have Martha McSally, who's her position that she was um, uh, assigned to, I guess, or was appointed to, I guess that's the correct term, uh, to fill up uh, for John McCain's thing, and she had lost to cinema, uh, still got in there. It'll be interesting to see how she runs her campaign. Her main opponent is going to be Mark Kelly, who was... Uh, former astronaut guy you're going to be playing that stuff up that dude is super anti-gun his wife was the former tucson rep uh, gabby giffords and she had gotten shot in the head luckily she didn't die and she was able to recover i don't think it's ever been a full recovery but uh, you know she was able to uh, you know at least she she kept her life so luckily she didn't she wasn't killed type thing so 
anyway, he is uh, extremely anti-gun. I've talked before on the show about how some of his ads that are out there, and you can probably look them up and find them, uh, about how he talks, oh, we need, you know, gun, we need common sense gun control and all this other kind of nonsense. So it'll be interesting to see if McSally maintains her seat. Uh, Cinema has done some interesting things. I still think when it comes to guns, she probably is going to be more anti. Uh, it does seem, though, however, she at some point maybe has a mind of her own. Maybe, maybe it's more of the thing of we've got the votes for A, B, and C, so you go ahead and do stuff because you're a new person and we want to keep you in there. Although she's not up for election for another six years, so uh, there's that. But they may want to kind of groom her for the party. Um, again, she I think she probably falls along maybe a lesser philosophical philosophically, there we go. She is a little bit more probably in line with the squad, with the people like AOC and some of that stuff, but not as far, I don't think. And, and talking about the squad, you know, that kind of brings up an interesting thing is you, we don't really see or I don't really hear too much of them kind of spouting their craziness as of late. And maybe somebody in the, in the power structure of the Democratic Party there has gotten to those guys and said, look, if you want help in your next election, you kind of need to tone it down a little bit. After this next presidential election, you can kind of start popping off again, doing all the stuff that you want. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and kind of tone it back. So I haven't really seen them. Have, they haven't really been getting much press coverage. Maybe they're still saying the stuff that they've been saying all along. But maybe the press just isn't covering it as much. I, I don't know. I, I tend to think it's the former rather than the latter that somebody's probably got a hold of her and said... Look, look, dum-dum, this is the way it is. If you want to stay in power, if you want to get good, good, cushy government jobs and you want to stay on that government uh, gravy train, this is what you need to do. Uh, because I think what's happening is, is a little bit of what I've talked about is that now, it, at, that now that it's getting closer, the Democrats, you're going to see them, they're going to tone down their rhetoric a little bit. They're still going to say stupid, un, uh, unattainable things. They're still going to talk about we're going to tax the rich for everything. They're, look, the rich are never going to get taxed for everything. That's not going to happen. And, and the reason why is the, the, the super rich and the very rich are the ones that keep these people's war chests going. So they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. They can say all this stuff, but and even if they are, maybe they're going to, they're going to, well, they're going to tax the, the upper, the upper middle class is who they're going to kind of go after. So the, the guy that has his own business maybe makes $250,000, $260,000 a year. Uh, those are the people who they're, those are the rich people that they're actually looking to go after. Then they'll also tax the, you know, the regular average Joes uh, who who are making around you know like 40 to 40 grand in between that 40 and 200,000 dollars per year. Though that's who's going to pay the bulk of the taxes in this country. The the ultra rich 
they have all the tax shelters, they know how to get around everything, you're not going to get their wealth. They'll just move it somewhere else, and on paper, they'll look like they don't have anything. So, you know, again, and, and the people, they know that. The people that have the big bucks know that. The people that, or they have so much money that it doesn't matter. But even even those guys, they don't want to give away their money. They don't want to give it up if they don't, you know. So, uh, you know, rank hath its, hath, hath its privilege. Is that the, is that the saying? But anyway, uh, kind of got sidetracked a little bit. So you're, uh, getting back to what the Democrats are going to say, they're still going to they're still going to run on gun control, but they're going to pull it back. They've I think that they've learned the lesson a little bit from what happened in Virginia, and they're like, oh, okay, we we sort of poke the bear with a stick, and instead of it kind of rolling over. And then we sneak in there and get the berries. We actually kind of woke it up. And it's looking at us and saying, uh, you want to come in here and take these berries? It's not going to go too well for you. So, again, I think that they're going to kind of pull back on the rhetoric. It will be extremely interesting to see who, what potato they're going to throw out there to run against the Cheeto. Uh, and, again, I don't see that there's really anybody... So, you know my feelings on Trump. He, you know, he he made uh, he made some speech about saying how oh you know Virginia was the you know in, in trouble and as long as I'm president that you know that's not going to happen. There's nobody who's more Second Amendment than me. But the reality is, is while all this stuff was unfolding. He really wasn't out there saying that stuff. He wasn't saying when, when you know, Northam and them were saying, "Well, we're going to push through, we're going to push all this stuff through, and it doesn't matter if it goes against." You know, and he, he wasn't saying it doesn't matter if it goes against the Constitution. But basically, what he was saying is, these are all these things that are going to happen, and this is this is the laws that we want to push through. And Trump didn't take that time, then use that opportunity then to say, "Oh, wait a minute." You know, you've got this one guy over here saying we may have to put the National Guard. Well, you're not going to do that. But he didn't say that. Uh, so it will uh, it will be interesting to see kind of what happens, what he's going to say. Again, I think he has maybe learned his lesson or people around him has, have maybe are saying to, to Trump, you know, look stupid, don't piss off all these people uh, or you know I don't know it could be a thing of maybe the lesson that Trump learned is I'll go out throw out a few platitudes but hey thank you Governor Northam and thank you State of Virginia for showing what the Democrats gonna, are, are going to want to do if they get into power and so I think he thinks well we've got that we've, we're going to get the house back will maintain the Senate, uh, and I'm going to get reelected. You know, again, the guy is such an egomaniac. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? If though he loses in 2020, uh, I don't know. I don't know what that means. It, it, again, we have to look at what's going to happen in the House, what's going to happen in the Senate. 
if the Senate maintains control and Republicans and you get a Democrat in there, they'll basically just stonewall, which will probably be good. If, if the House maintains or if it's a thing where a few seats change and they don't get the, a majority, but they get enough to where the Democrats don't have the majority anymore, you might see some pro-gun bills float up, but they probably won't go anywhere. About the only thing that I can say probably that that Trump has done and maybe he's, he's you know, maybe it's, it's a thing where there was a small fire and when he got up to put out the fire to try and do something about the fire to come look at it, he accidentally bumped the table and it knocked over a pitcher of water and it put the fire out. And now he's claiming credit saying, oh, I'm the best firefighter there ever was. There's nobody better than me when it was sort of accidental. So I think that that, that may be some of the stuff that we see. I don't know. Uh, as, as far as, and what I'm talking about with that, as far as him putting some judges, that if, if you get more conservative judges or if you get judges that are more what I would call of an individualist philosophy, meaning that they would say, oh, okay, these laws don't apply. They apply to the individual as well as to the group, and we can't, to protect, quote-unquote, protect the group, we can't trample on the individual. So we'll, again, it'll be interesting to see what plays out with the particular judges that are in there, how long they're appointed for. You know, if a Democrat gets in there, would they just go ahead and and uh, fire all those people or would they just sort of leave them in and say, eh, well, it doesn't matter type thing. So I don't know. I would be very, very interested to hear some of your guys' thoughts. I know I'm sure there's some of, out, of you out there that are listening that are super pro-Trump and think that he is doing the 3D chess. I don't, I don't think that he is. I've said that you know for a long time. But getting back to sort of what potato the Democrats are going to throw out there. Is it going to be Warren? And if it's Warren, I think she faces sort of the same the same hurdles maybe as Clinton. She comes across as, as unlikable. And with Hillary, I don't know. You, I think you kind of knew in the back of your mind that she was sort of this power-hungry, money-grubbing monster, uh, and you knew that that she was a, a, a politician through and through. Uh, but you kind of thought, and I think that's why maybe some people have had some faith in her and were willing to vote for her, is you thought, well, she'll get stuff done. She knows what to do. She's kind of a tiger type thing. You know, even though she's corrupt, but hey, they're all corrupt, so, you know, what's the big deal? And then when you look at Warren, and then I guess, you know, you sort of knew, oh, there, she, uh, with, with Clinton, it's like there is some phony baloney stuff, but not as much. When you look at Warren, you see her, everything about her is pandering. And Clinton pandered a lot as well, but when I look at Warren and look at some of the stuff she does and some of the things that she says and how she tries to act. Uh, she is in some ways taking a, a, a play from the Hillary Clinton playbook of 
you know, her whole, like, Clinton's whole hot sauce thing and how when she was at some southern thing, she was like, we're not going to get around here no how, no way. And was putting on the phony baloney southern accent. And you see that with, with Warren. And I think, I don't know, I think people see that and they just they just don't, on a fundamental level, they just don't like it. And so I think she's going to come across as kind of shrill and unlikable. Uh, Trump is still going to come across as a, uh, a mud monster and a self-centered, arrogant, pedantic prig uh, who's ruled by ego. But of course... That's kind of what got him elected last time, in part. I don't know. I, some of the dangers for him are going to be, you know, some people would say, oh, it's, it's the, the build the wall. People are going to be disappointed. I don't think people really give a crap about the wall. Uh, they say they do. I, I think what they want is just maybe tougher immigration law or something where the people that come here and want to work you know, I think you could solve a lot of the immigration problems by making a fast track for people that are here legally and kind of reduce some of the cost of that. But And I also think that, and I've said for a long time, you should make a worker visa pretty easy to get. And, and, I, and again, I'm talking a little bit uh, of, uh, from from ignorance here because I don't know 100%, but I know it's tough to get, you know, a work visa here, but especially, you know, if you're from Mexico or Canada or something like that, you're, you're, you know, you're sharing the border, make it super easy for those guys to kind of come and go. And then people are going to say, well, what about the drugs are going to the criminals and blah, blah, blah. They're already coming in. And at least what you could do is you could, if, if you had easier... Uh, work permits and things like that you could make it where those people if if they get preyed upon here's and here's the thing that a lot of people don't um, don't kind of factor into the argument is a lot of times and what I saw back in the day when I was working probation is a lot of times the people that were illegal they feel like if if our house gets broken into if we get robbed or whatever we don't there's no recourse for us. And, and the criminals knew that and they would victimize those people as well. But if you had somebody who's here on a legit work program and then they, if they get robbed or somebody tries to take advantage of them, then, you know, those people are protected. So they still have a human right. You know, they're still people. And a lot of times, you know, when you start labeling people as illegal aliens, which is, again, what they are, but a lot of times it's easier to dehumanize them. Uh, but they're, to, to be intellectually honest and fair, a lot, of the, a lot of the illegal people, they engage in identity theft. Uh, they engage in a lot of fraud just because that's what they have to do to survive. Uh, and in, in order to, you know, and, and, they're, and a lot of them... They can become sort of a burden on the medical system as far as, you know, if you go, here's the thing, if you go into an emer any emergency room in this country, they're going to treat you. And if you say, oh, I don't have this or I don't have that, you know, because I've seen it. And a, lot of, and a lot of times, too, the medical, 
people sort of turn a blind eye to that because their their main concern is, oh, here's a person here who's injured or who is sick, and we can maybe help that person. Uh, so, I if anything will hurt Trump, I think it's him maybe doing some of that anti-gun stuff. So him doing the red flag laws, him doing the bump stock ban. If he wants to come back from that, what he should do is prior to that is he should start doing stuff with ATF and the Justice Department on saying, all right, let's see if we can't loosen some of these restrictions on uh, from the National Firearms Act. Let's see if we can't, like we talked about before, let's see if we can't get rid of the short barrel rifle designation. It's ridiculous. Let's see if we can't maybe take suppressors off. Let, and if if he would do something like that, where you say, okay, one of those two things. And if you said, well, the short barrel rifle thing is nonsense. We're just going to get rid of it. Barrel length doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you put on it. It's still a rifle. You can do whatever you want. I think that would go a long way towards washing the taste of the bump stock man out of your mouth. You know, but I've I've got a long memory, and I and I know a lot of people out there do as well. But again, it goes back to that idea of you're sort of stuck. What are you going to do? Because and this is again that danger of the when you've only got two choices, and and the and and your other uh, let's see, well we'll just say you've only got two choices: this Republican or Democrat. And if you're a pro-gun guy, I don't know how you can vote Democrat. And unfortunately, you are stuck with whoever the Republicans put up. And that's when you see, and you see the same kind of thing in, uh, in um, a little distracted here, sorry. You see that, came, that same kind of thing in these Democrat-run strongholds. And they're going to say, and, and what they do is they say sort of the same thing, but it's with welfare or it's with entitlements. And they say, well, hey, man, look, if these, yeah, your, your entitlements kind of suck and they could be better and, and we're basically uh, making you indentured servants for, you know, by, by uh, uh, putting you on, uh, you know, financial, uh, financial reservation, so to speak, type thing. We've, we've made it to where and again, the Democrats are the ones coming up with a lot of these rules. We've made it to where if you're on welfare and you're you're doing okay and then you finally start to better yourself a little bit, then we're take all your benefits away. So there's and so there's no way you're gonna go out and get a job because you're gonna you're you're gonna be worse off because you're not gonna get a job. Let's say if you got a job at McDonald's or you got a job at Subway or something like that. And you're finally getting a little extra money coming in. Your kids are maybe a little bit older to where they can take care of themselves at home somewhat. And then they say, oh, you're earning money now? All right, you get nothing. Instead of saying, all right, well, we're still going to give you these benefits. Hopefully, you know, maybe, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Or we can maybe cut back just a little bit. Um, but we're not going to take everything away from you. Or if you've got two incomes in the household and you still need maybe help with food stamps or you still need help with this. And look, I know there's a lot of people out there who say welfare is not the problem or welfare is not the, excuse me, it's not the answer to the problem. Uh, 
you need to you know, do this, that, and the other thing. But you know, it's education, it's jobs, and this, that, and the other. You know, uh, that doesn't really help in a really economically depressed area. There's just when, especially when there's no jobs there. There's nothing for you to do. Type thing. So, uh, you know, a lot of these issues are 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 not black and white. There's lots of shades of gray. There's lots of different. There's lots of subtlety in some of this stuff. And but nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to. They just want. I want it to be either A or B. I want it to be R or D. I want it to be conservative or liberal. I, I you know, and I just don't think that that can work. So anyway, I am uh, coming up to my old destination here. Hopefully the show wasn't too rambly. Hopefully it didn't uh, go on a little bit too long. I think we're going to have maybe 45 minutes or an hour or so, something like that probably, once it's all said and done. Let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you guys out there whether you think, oh, it's same, same, or whether you think it's, uh, I've got it all wrong, or uh, you think Trump's a shoe in or you think he's really in some trouble. Uh, I'd like to hear, you know, who do you think, who do you think's going to run against the Cheeto? Are they going to throw an actual just potato out there and kind of see what happens? Do you think Hillary is going to maybe try and run again? At this point in the game, I just, I don't see it. Do you think somebody like a Bloomberg again? Even if you even if you don't care about guns, when you look at all the nonsense that Bloomberg has engaged in with stop and frisk, with uh, the sugary the tax on you know sugary drinks and you know the nanny state stuff that he wants to engage in and, and enforce and. So anyway, I'm starting to get off on another thing. Let me know what you guys think. Love to hear from you. Area code 206-745-2731 is the voicemail. Email firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. You can send me a tweet. You can message me on Facebook or leave a comment over on the listener page. Hopefully I will see those things. And if I do, I'll mention them on the show. All right, my friends, I will talk to you next time. I'm in trouble, I'm so dizzy, black coffee, please get dizzy, oh, 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 nothing you get home, black coffee, I'm in trouble, I'm so dizzy, please get dizzy,
I'm not gonna get home. 